is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Hello, hello, hello. This is Box 39, and there's a lot of stuff coming out of that box today. I am Bill Lawrence, and for the next hour, please join me, young Adrian Cohen, and old Ian Tallentire, as we open Box 39 exclusively here on Kong Radio. Hello, I'm Ian Tallentire. This is the radio show that finds the treasures in Box 39. Ian, uh, have you had a good week this week? Well, mentioning my age like that, Bill, I'm not quite sure, but having been walking in the great British countryside most of the day with the sun on my back and my rucksack over one shoulder, I'm in recovery, you know. I feel so much better, Bill. How about you, sir? Well, it's it's been one of those weeks, really. Uh, I think I've been emerging from a very, very long tunnel this week, and my week, I suppose, is, is best described as sparse, neat, perhaps a little bit tidy. Do you know, I'm a reasonably priced sort of person this week. Reasonably priced? Well, on that basis, we better open the box and see if we can find some treasure, Bill. OK, let's open the box. Oh, 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 
we are so pleased to welcome Askang Exit back into the studio. Here they are, all 16 of them. They've been coming, arriving all afternoon via various different buses. And here they are. And they're playing one of their most uh, newest, is that a phrase? Perhaps their newest track. Here it is. Okay, lovely. Now, now, Ian, how are you? You told us earlier you'd been out walking, and what else has been going on? What else do you want to talk about? Well, while I was out walking, Bill, I was having a little think about what we should talk about this evening, because we normally have three little sections of chat, um, and there's nothing like leaving it to the last minute, is there? Having a little thought. So I was thinking, and I've got a line for you. Let's see where we go from here. So, Bill, man walks into a pub. Yes. Has a quick look round and walks out again. Uh, is this a joke? Where, what was going on here? Where's this sort of introduction leading to? Well, it begs the question, doesn't it? Probably the question. What are we looking for in a pub? Friends? Ah, like-minded I see. people? I'm with you. Decor? Comfy seats? Nice bar staff? Well, I think good beer, but uh, a bar staff who do remember my name is something I like, I have to say, but good beer, beer that's crispy, crunchy, beer that I I enjoy drinking every single gulp. (laughs) Well, on that note, let's just reflect on uh, where we were, I think, three weeks ago. Yeah, three weeks ago. Were we really? Uh, Yeah. Were we not here? That was you and me, the two of us, together. Um, Ah, And we would drag ourselves from our air-conditioned niceness, uh, from the room that was cool and pleasant to be in, and we would walk through the heat, pollution and humidity to imbibe what could best be described um, as chemical soup, I believe. Were were we in Brightlings here again? No, we weren't. Not on this occasion, because the beer is far better in the Black Boy. We were drinking Indonesian Lager. Oh, yes. We were in Indonesia and the lager was, uh, well, there was Bali High, wasn't there? There was Anchor, there was uh, Bintang. Didn't really matter what it was, Bill. It all tasted the same. Generic, wasn't it? It was cold, though. Yeah, for a few minutes, I would say. Um, but I suspect on that holiday, when we went out uh, of an evening, we were going out for the social occasion, the chat, to meet people with really not met before we heard their names we didn't know what their faces looked like the beer certainly didn't change well the name did but the bottle contents didn't so it was really a social occasion where we were putting faces to names now now no normally you put names to faces uh so what was what was that man uh, yeah, i'm going back to that thing you started with what was that man looking for in the pub what's the punchline to that well, that on reflection probably has a different answer for every individual walking through the uh, the door to the pub. Well, now tell me this. I want to ask you this then. Uh, why do you walk into a particular pub? Um, I think I need to be nice to the pubs I walk into now because we're somewhat blessed, aren't we, on our side of town? We are. With some great establishments serving quality beer. Oh, yes. So we certainly don't need to be worrying about the beer, the Oddy. Yes. The New Inn. Yes. Ale House. Oh, yes. Fat Cat. Indeed. And then just about on our side of town, as it's on our side of the high street, the Monkeys. Absolutely. So 
there are, though, reasons to pick and choose between those, I don't as know. we well know. Well, I'm not sure if quality of the product isn't the factor here, really. You know, is it, is, is it maybe atmosphere? You know, I, know I, I personally love that clean double drop. I, I love those sparkles of taste bud joy. I like how the, the achingly <laughs> gorgeous ease of sip is one of the things on my list. But atmosphere, you think that's important? Well... Yeah, it is, and that's generally generated by the staff, the decor, the seating, and, frankly, the other punters who are in there. Great atmosphere in the monkeys and the fat cat, but I wouldn't go in either if I wanted to have a conversation and be heard. Yeah, absolutely right. And, of course, I have uh, a wonderful advantage. of I have electronic ears, and I'm able to turn my ears up and down. Uh, but even for me, the noise level is too much, isn't it? Um, self-furnishings are out of fashion in pubs. Uh, so are carpets. So are curtains or blinds. And therefore, it's one of the problems I face being a, a bit of an old deaf man is that the noise just bounces all over the place and increases. More people come in. They shout louder. Uh, deafness in pubs is a bit of an issue. Yeah, but then again, you wouldn't choose the alehouse for its comfortable seating, would you, Bill? <laughs> well, no. Uh, I choose the Ale House because of the very, very lovely uh, person that runs it and the beer is absolutely gorgeous. It is. And then, okay, that brings us on to your neighbours, your local. Oh, my neighbours, my next door neighbours. Yeah, so how how do you feel about the (laughs) recent changes uh, at the Oddy? The Oddy, for so long it's been... been thought of as being old-fashioned, sort of greens, browns on the walls and the ceilings. Uh, Indeed, even... Uh, what do they call those? Stencils. Stencils of ivy, which was a very 1980s thing. They've gone. They have. There was always a fire burning in the hearth, even when it's 28 degrees outside. But such a, a great range of beers and ciders, of course. Once we get those. Lovely seating areas around the pub. Different sorts of seating areas. You can see, you know, there's bench seats. Uh, seats. Lovely little garden. Great regulars. Uh, but it's, it has moved towards a sort of cream and deluxe uh, shade of purple. Deluxe? I'm not sure about Deluxe. Sort of like crushed raspberries and cream at the moment, I would say. And someone has removed all those trophy cabinets. You know, they had their golf, cricket. I'm sure they even had a crochet and knitting society there. They did. Um, Stitch and thingy. Yeah, Stitch and whatever it was called. And, you know, the great thing about that place was was the paraphernalia. The paraphernalia of life. There were trophies. There were uh, signed cricket bats, and all that seems to have disappeared and no, been replaced with cream walls. And it's a- progress, Ian. Don't look back. Progress, change, manage uh, movement. It's a whole new world. I'm going to sound like an old man now because I don't actually believe that change is always good, even if it is change of a type. I think we're just going to have to change your view on that.
recently three employees from this radio show met together secretly 8,000 miles away from Colne Radio Towers on the island of Java, part of the string of islands that form Indonesia, above Australia and under Malaysia, nestled in that Indian Ocean and at the Southeast Asian Gateway to Oceania. These three men were on a mission to investigate if community on the other side of the world could have any similarities, parallels, comparisons with the communities here in the Cone Radio area in North East Essex. Just for several weeks of deep and hard research, the three men had travelled by plane, taxi, train, pedicab, car, motorbike, even speedboat in their hard-edged investigation. I do believe some travelled by uh, motorbike more successfully than others, but we may talk about that on another day. They had been to volcanoes, walked through jungles, stood atop mountainside tree huts, gazed across vast plains, walked in paddy fields and stood atop the most ancient of temples. Do you know they jogged through dense traffic? They battled across crowded markets. They'd been to palaces and plantations. They'd bathed in monsoons and burning sunshine, 100% humidity and very large insects. On this, our first report from their recent expedition to Indonesia, Bill, Adrian and Ian make their way to a beautiful clifftop hotel, the Queen of the South. With the jungle edged meeting the hot sands and the crashing waves below their vantage point and on sun lounges under palm trees, they sipped their ice-cold drinks and reflected on their overall impressions of their trip. We are in a luxury resort called Queen of the South on a headland overlooking the seaside village of Palantritis. It's a very gorgeous spot that we are at. Wouldn't you agree? I think that, that was the point of coming here. But we're not going to go to the beach because it's not a very nice beach. But later we'll be at some sort of more picturesque spots. I'm surprised that, that everyone from the village just doesn't walk straight up here. Well... They'd have to pay 100,000, which is... How much is that? 100,000. Roughly £6, I think, Adrian. To local people, that's prohibitive, and it stops all the courting couples coming up here every night and just filling up this whole space. So shall we quickly paint a picture? We're actually sat around um, an infinity pool. That's empty. That's empty, because it's under uh, (laughs) reconstruction. Um, But over the far lip of the pool... Um, there is a cliff which drops down to a very wide, uh, light brown sandy beach with a little river running across the beach into the Indian Ocean where there are white horses, breaker upon breaker, as far as the eye can see. In fact, Adrian, all the way to the horizon. All the way to the horizon. (laughs) What sea is that? I'd say it's pretty safe to say it's the Indian Ocean. Well, it is rather marvellous. Marvellous colour. Is that a blue or green? Let's see. A mixture of the two, I guess, depending on the uh, depth of the water as onyx. you approach the beach. I'd say onyx. It's the colour of my eyes. <laughs> then, for the sand of the beach, is possibly taupe or a very mild salmon. I would say it's sand, actually, Bill. I'd say it's a pork chop. <laughs> well, that, but I don't think you can so say that here in this country. It's provocative, isn't it, for me to have said that? When you get down there, though, unfortunately that beach is uh, is sort of very much sort of volcanic sort of sand. And, uh, and gritty. Gritty and, and sort of a bit dirty looking. Yeah. But also that they allow uh, little four-wheel... What are those little things called? Those little sort of... Pony and trap. 
Oh, there's Pony and Traps, but that that's got a kind of a sort of a, a Blackpool Beach kind of authenticity to it. But they got those little sort of b- buggy things on the four wheels. There's a oh quad bikes, quad, the quad bikes, and with all the all the two-stroke petrol smell and yeah. stuff, and there's whizzing by little kids. I've seen a couple of motorbikes whiz up and down in the time that we've been sat here. Yeah, but it's certainly no Blackpool folks. There's no illuminations. Um, all there is actually is a sort of a, a shrub line followed by a tree line followed by the red basically sort of houses, jungle or red houses as you approach the development of the village. I look at it and I just, I just can picture sort of landing craft and, and Australian troops invading Indonesia, just rocking up, running across there. You've watched too many war films as a boy, I think, Adrian. Yeah, the, the Indonesians used to be concerned about it back in the, uh, the, the 70s. If we go around here a little bit, what have we got? We've got... Uh... Well, we've got some marvellous trees, uh, best described as, as coconut trees because I can see great big coconuts hanging from them. Yellow, uh, yellow husks, not the cartoon uh, brown shredded husk coconuts, but uh, a nice smooth skinned green. You mean the hairy one, the hairy coconut. Yeah, no, no they're, they're old. When they get old, they get they go like that. Nice big palm trees. We're actually benefiting from a, a just a classic coconut tree that's got no coconuts in it. We're sitting in the shade of that big one there, that's got the kind of the uh, what's that? The kind of the hint. These trees have got the same kind of Hindu cloth on them that we had to put on yeah. to go into that Hindu temple on that mountaintop they a couple of days ago. black and white check pattern, yeah. But as we look round to our left, there is a, there is a lawn, which is manicured to within about a nanometer of its life. Behind, sort of going then towards the hotel reception, there's a beautiful open dining area. It's called a pondopo. It's kind of a triangular, low-slung triangular roof on posts with no walls. It's classic Indonesian architecture there, or Javanese anyway. You would think of it as a sort of, I, I guess it's a, it, it would look like a, bit like a Japanese temple. Yeah, like a pagoda thing, yeah? Pagoda. And the lawn is really the uh, forefront of the headland, isn't it? Um, you stand centrally, you've got this wide sweeping beach to the right, and looking out to the left is a craggy hilltop with some magnificent uh, crashing waves coming in and uh, smashing into the rocks. It's incredibly atmospheric. There's a light wind blowing off the sea, which is helping to keep us cool at uh, 33 plus degrees. Um, and it's just, well, quite simply beautiful. Yeah, it is. That pool is looking like uh, some sort of ex-Soviet complex on the banks of the uh, the Black Sea at the moment. Not Indeed. quite as beautiful as it's supposed to be. Those tables and chairs on that lawn, to me, no no umbrellas. You couldn't even think of sitting on one of those for any longer than about two minutes. Certainly not um, those black ones. I think you'd leave most of the skin from the underside <laughs> of your thighs. Until about about 4.30 in the evening it might be all right. Now, actually, that sun is will soon go across above us and there and then this would not be the very nice place to sit because it'll just go across there and then it'll set over there that's the west over there and so what did we work out that oleander is that what we suggested these other trees were these sort of gnarly ones they look, yeah. they look like like you see them in an olive grove or something but they're they've got no fruit and a lot of branches and very few leaves did the leaves drop off in the autumn? Can you stop this seasonal <laughs> stuff, please, Mr. <laughs> As you well know, there are no real seasons here. It just rains less or more. This is the rainy season, although it hasn't really rained much, except when you wanted to go to the World Heritage Site, and then it just rained like some kind of thing in Wacky Races that was just over where you wanted to be, <laughs> raining on you and nobody else. 
the roads were dry everywhere else. I can assure you, Adrian, that uh, everybody else at Bodabadur, is that what the correct? Bodabadur. 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 Got uh, just as wet as we did, yeah. if not wetter. We did hire umbrellas, though. We were, we were tactically. We played. We played quite a good game. We hired our umbrellas and knocked them down from two pounds for the pair to a pound for a pair of umbrellas. Which I, I bought. Was... I, obviously, I was going to go in there too with you, but I bought at the price. I've been there before, and uh, yeah, it, it always used to be like the, you know, not 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 wink wink. There'd be a different price for the foreigners. It turned up, but they put you to one side into an amazing sort of building that looked like sort of a, an airport or something and charge you 337 500 rupiah which to you how much is that in, in your in your foreign monies uh, approximately 25 pounds no that's all right then, I suppose. which is far more expensive ladies and gentlemen than uh, the entry fee to stonehenge which is another world heritage site what could you pay 25 pounds to, to to go in and see in colchester you would be able to see half of the first act of a west end show okay uh, how many people could get into Colchester Zoo with £25? One adult. One adult. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But just in your local monies? It would buy half my food bill for the week. Half your food bill? Half my... Well, that's just me, isn't it? Well... £25 a if week? If I take my daughter with me, then that would buy a quarter of the food bill. <laughs> ah, okay. So, uh, more yeah, about... It buy uh, uh, half a tank of petrol. He drives a hybrid, for those of you thinking that's not very much in your tank. My tank is as big as anyone else's. Don't get me feeling inferior about the size of my tank. <laughs> but you put it in perspective, Adrian. You were absolutely appalled by how much we were being charged. Partly, I know, because of the fact that the locals, I think, were paying... They were paying 40,000. Yeah, 40,000, so approximately a tenth. So you put that into perspective as to what you could buy here for what is US $25, oh, yeah. £25. So weeks, week's wages for a kind of a... a, kind of a poor person poor with dignity 400,000 a week that you'd be doing alright actually so waitresses maybe the waitresses in, and, the, and the waiters in some of the bars we've been in probably get that 400 pounds a week 400 dollars uh, 400 rupee a week and so would that allow them to rent the house they live in have a reasonable yeah, or, standard yeah, of living yeah buy their uh, or pay for their sim card and their phone contract and the petrol for their bike petrol for their bike and which their they bike bought, which they bought on credit right so it's a basic but a comfortable existence. The thing for me that it was it was like it was a threshold. Yeah, I had been thinking about it for about half an hour before we arrived there. I was thinking we're going to get we're going to get overcharged in this place, of course, and it's understandable really. But I was thinking it might even be a hundred thousand. Who knows? It's going to be sort of thirty thousand for the locals or forty thousand, and it'll be, maybe it'll be a hundred thousand for us. Whatever. You had to see it, and, and in the end, you had an amazing experience, didn't you? Because. I think it was even more amazing uh, given the the atmospheric weather conditions. It would have been nice. To, it would have. Been, it was a different experience, wasn't it? Um, seeing it on a, a warm, clear, sunny day like today, you would have been able to see far across the jungles into the distance onto the mountains. We couldn't see that, but we had this alternative experience, which was just as good of of uh, rain bouncing off every surface. Grey, grey rock. Yep. Shaped, carved. What, what do they call those reliefs? Your umbrella, the sound of it, the smell of it. 
Well, certainly there was a smell to the, the smell of the jungle. Oh, the smell of the jungle. Yeah. The rain on on the on the greenery eh, it creates a kind of a, a smell that uh, you get in the countryside in Britain a bit. We think that we get weather at extremes back in the UK, and okay, you know, I had no appreciation of just how warm and humid it would be after four to seven degrees of Rochester yeah. the week before we flew out. But here, you know, we go from 33 degrees of, I guess, 90 to 95% humidity humidity, to 33 degrees of 95% humidity. But actually, it's 100% humidity because you are covered in water falling out of the sky at an incredible rate. I don't think I've ever been in rain like that before. I mean, the umbrella was barely doing its job of keeping my camera dry. And that was all I was particularly concerned about. I could actually notice your, your umbrella skills. You, you managed to have the edge of your umbrella just pouring down the back of my neck quite successfully most of the way back. Well, I would have to point out, Bill, that uh, you didn't quite look as wet as I did, so I just thought we'd, we'd get even. Well, share, share the love. Yeah. Thank but you if, very much. If back in Britain you, you're talking about, you know, you're running cats and dogs, what would it be here? It'd be oh, that like... was cows and elephants, I think. Cows and elephants. Definitely it monkeys. I think it was running monkeys. Raining monkeys. It, yeah. but it, but it was the not only you weren't cold, you weren't cold no. in the rain, unless you got a, a big sort of you know a post umbrella um, <laughs> gush on top of you. But if, if you got wet like that and then sat on a motorbike and tried to drive into Jogja, you, you'd, you'd have felt really cold. Well, as you know, Adrian, when we got back in the car and the aircon was on, that's right. It just it caused chill down. It caused so urgent much. urgent need for. <laughs> I take it that won't be going in the bleep. interview. Yeah, that'll be a <laughs> bleep. Um, okay, just okay. Cold, it, it, caused, it caused a pee pee crisis. Did. Did it, that that would be the, the uh, Indonesian for it, I believe. But it was, it, <laughs> you know, when you are drenched and then somebody sticks you from 33 degrees into what, what, what were we at in the car about 18. It wasn't cold in the in the car, but you were soaked to the skin and just chilling through in the breeze from the aircon unit. It was the most unpleasant experience that I've had since I've been here. I found the, the weather so humid that running, a, a little jog, a couple of mornings I've done a little jog, has been very difficult because of the humidity. Not because of the heat, but the humidity. But more than I anticipated, just it's impossible to find a quiet road to jog down. <laughs> we made them say, let's go out early at... 10 to 7, of course, that was the school run, wasn't it? What well, time do you yeah. take your kids to what school we were about trying, 7 o'clock? Yeah, but what we were trying to do, Bill, was to find a, what we thought would be a quiet and cooler time to go and have a run. So left the hotel, start the little warm-up walk, break into a shuffle and a run, and all of a sudden we're confronted by motorbike after motorbike after motorbike. It's, it's like clockwork here. At about 6.20 every morning on a, on a weekday, everybody just comes out all at the same time to go to school. And then once you get past seven, it just suddenly falls away again and, and the roads become quiet for about an hour and then all your, all your office-bound people and shop-bound people are there quarter to eight to eight o'clock. But it, was, it wasn't clockwork. really just the traffic, was it? It was the humidity, the temperature and then, worst of all, trying to catch your breath in between torrents of two-stroke exhaust, yeah. <laughs> which uh, certainly did, did me in for uh, trying to take a deep breath and uh, maintain my pace. Yeah. I don't know, what did you feel about the, uh, the pollution levels as you were trying to get your exercise? Well, as you know, gentlemen, my body is a temple, yeah. uh, but it has, it's been slightly tainted by... Uh, I feel I can feel a layer on my lungs. I think of of um, exhaust fume and stuff. What kind of temple would that be then? Would that be a Buddhist or a, or a Hindu one? We 
I, I see you've been adding a dome these last couple of years. <laughs> I thought that was just... <laughs> that was somewhat unfair, I feel well, like. I didn't you know what I'm referring that, to. Actually, I didn't think you noticed that. And my body is a temple, and uh, we leave it at that. It's a temple by invite only. Okay. Well, that's right. You should be on local radio. <laughs> well, I would say, as regards to Temple Bill, old and well-preserved. And with a great pair of doors on the front. Loads of people have had a look, and then gone. <laughs> but but always paid their 337,500 oh rupees. Oh, my goodness. listening to Out of Box 39 with Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen and Ian Tallentire here on Cone Radio. Recurring Dream was a best-of compilation album by rock group Crowded House, released in 1996 and which included most of their singles as well as some new songs. The album's title, Recurring Dream, was named after this song that you're listening to, which, oddly, was not included on the compilation, but was later featured on a rarities collection called Afterglow, released in 1999. Crowded House are often thought of as being an Australian band, but Neil Finn, the band's leader, is in fact from New Zealand. Oh, 
Vodka and lime. High up in atmosphere. Vertigo intact inside vodka and lime. Life jacket stashed under front seat. Checked foot underneath me spins planet Earth. Oil rigs, tankers, pleasure craft. The accident in 1995, which is why I have a crooked smile. Thin strip of coast, estuaries. See those Legolicious houses. If I had a big house, big enough to fit, I'd have to leave because there'd be no room for me. I could easily fly like this a long, long time, but the captain won't tell. He won't tell. He won't tell. I yell, where my wings are. This is how historical dictionaries are made. Not as difficult a task today, perhaps, but Coleridge and those around him were pioneers, and every step of the process was new to him and to all who tried to help. To help him in arranging the words and the quotation slips, and his rules laid down a fixed design for the slips. They should be exactly half a sheet of writing paper in size. The head word should be at the top left. The quotation from each cited author should be written below. And there should be a separate slip for each quotation to help him to arrange these slips, the crucially important pieces of paper that would be the project's building blocks. Coleridge had a carpenter build for him in oak, a small suite of pigeonholes to hold and permit the alphabetical arrangement of the various slips that his volunteers sent in. The arrangement which he designed was six square holes high and nine across, giving him, in other words, a total of 54 pigeonholes with some 260 inches of linear space that were thought sufficient to hold comfortably between 60,000 and 100,000 of the slips. No greater number could Coleridge ever imagine his having to deal with. When they were all filled with quotation slips, he was heard to tell his fellow philologists then and only then would it be time to start proper editorial work on the big dictionary. And this is Ausgang Exit, and this is a good day for buses being on time. Boys, it's been a pleasure having you here once again. Wonderful to have a 16-piece band here. I mean, that banjo's been digging right into me, but、uh, the trombonist—he's great. So, Ian, chat to me. Well, I was racking my brains for an interesting topic during that last piece of music, and I've come up with shop fronts. Uh, I think you've thought quite long and hard about that one, then. Well, come on, Bill. What's in a title?、Uh, quite a lot. You may call me sir.、Uh, well, sir,、um, what do you see when you're in town? Shop fronts.、Ah, Are they different from those you see anywhere else in the country? Plastic wood frames, clear coloured glass, generic plastic logos, glossy lit signs. Does anyone actually look above them at the varied style of buildings, the barely hidden history of the towns we live in? Who has actually wondered why in Colchester there is a perfect semicircular bowed window above KFC? Come on, Bill, walk me down the high street. Let's have a mini tour. Hang on, hang on. I'm just putting on my trainers. I bought NASDAQ. Right. Okay. Where should we start? 
Um, let's go back to the post office walking east. Okay. Look right. Headgate. Okay. Yep. Look uh, left. Northgate. Northgate. Views down North Hill. Yep. St. Peter's Church. Lovely. Was a site of a foundry during the Civil War. Was it really? Made bullets and shells ah. for the Royalists who were stuck within the city walls. They were the ones with the better hair, weren't they? They were the ones with the very floppy hats and the moustaches, yes. But don't forget, as you sort of cross the road to look over your shoulder, obviously when you're crossing with the green man, because otherwise you're going to miss Jumbo. Jumbo. What a wonderful thing. Jumbo. Uh, an old-fashioned Victorian water tower. Completely redundant, but beautiful. Yeah, but, you know, what's going to happen to its now rather wet, dripping facade? But that's one for the future. So, we cross the road, yeah, move okay. eastwards, and on the left we have... Corn Exchange? Is that well, the old Corn Exchange? It is the old Corn Exchange. Most people are going to think it's where the buses stop or where you can buy some fried chicken or go into a sweet shop. But actually, historically, it was the Corn Exchange and then, I understand, became a fire station. Really? Yeah. So, moving slightly further east, still on the left-hand side of the road, we've got the old co-op bank, which I think is called the Prince Albert Building and used to be the foyer to a theatre. That's very nice, isn't it? It's a beautiful, beautiful stone facade. And then, looking across the road... To the south, you've got an absolutely wonderful mix of Georgian, Edwardian and Victorian grandeur. Well, where, where we, where, where, where we'll be without, the, where, where without those uh, monarchs. We can't label anything without monarchs, can we? But now we're into modern stuff, aren't we? Well, there's Phoenix. Uh, some of us still call it Willy G's. Um, and yeah, it's modern, but it replaced some absolutely spectacularly beautiful Victorian buildings in the 50s and the 60s. And there's a little taste of what used to be there in one corner, on that sort of right-hand corner of it, where there's now uh, what can only be referred to as a smelly franchise. Smells, doesn't it? Yeah, it smells, but it used to be a gun shop. Oh, yes, yes, kids, in deepest, darkest northeast Essex, uh, the great and the good and the farmers have to have somewhere to buy their guns. And, and you know, now there's a 12-foot woman wearing black trousers in the middle of the pavement. Yeah, outside. and also a saxophonist, I think, uh, screwed to a wall. It's great, isn't it? I mean, you know, you've said that you, you've, you've, you've been down the high street, now you're turning left. What's going on there? Well, once you've passed that majestic, grand and completely over-the-top Victoriana known as the Town Hall, uh, yes. you come, you, you know, you turn that corner and you're facing the Dutch Quarter. Tiny churchyards, yes. oldest grave in town, wonderful stained glass on the original Town Hall windows. Beautiful. I'll, 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 let's get back up the hill, come on. You've had that small diversion. Yeah, but that's quite... That's, gonna, it takes more energy. Come on, quickly, let's finish this journey because <laughs> we're running out of time. Okay, I'm, I'm worn out. Stand there, look directly across the road and you can see Trinity Church uh, down Pelham's Lane. Shall we have a look at the... We can cross over, run down the lane and have a quick look at the Anglo-Saxon arch in the church tower. Or from here, look further down the high street and imagine tram tracks, a church in the middle of the road, before looking at how an old theatre has been changed to continually keep pace with the needs and wants of the younger generation. Can you even remember what it's called, Mr. I Lawrence? know, it's called Fighty Place with added wee and vomit on a Friday night. Is that right? <laughs> or is it called Liquid? Well, that's liquid appropriate, attic. isn't it? It's called something strange, anyway. Well, it's one of, you know, nowadays, so many places are glass and metal churches to the to the church of reeking capitalism. It's nice in cultures that we have something a bit more interesting, isn't it? Certainly is. And uh, walk further down that road. Look at, take your eyes above the shop fronts and have a look at what the town used to be. 
was the lead singer of the 10,000 Maniacs, which formed in 1981, and she had made seven studio albums with them by the time she left the group in 1993. She emerged from the studio two years later with her first solo album, called Tiger Lily, which kicked off with this track called San Andreas Fault. The album was a critical and commercial success, spawning her first top 10 hit and two further top 40 singles, and would go on to sell over 5 million copies, making it her most successful album to date. Civilians are advised to stay in their homes. Evacuations are currently taking place in the London area. 
All motorways and airports have been closed for military use. Non-essential telephone lines have also been temporarily disconnected. Please stand by, and await further information. Founded in London in 1977, post-punk art rockers The Psychedelic Furs found commercial success in 1981 with an album called Talk Talk Talk, which yielded two singles in the UK, the second of which was Pretty in Pink, the inspiration and theme tune for the 1986 John Hughes film of the same name. Their first single was this song, Dumb Waiters, although this live version is from a tour in 2000 when the band reformed after an eight-year hiatus. by Ausgang Exit. Hit it, boys. That's terrific stuff. Thank you very much, boys. We'll see you again next time. Now, we've had a listener's letter in. Ready? 
Yeah, it says, I'll read it to you. Uh, it says, Dear Out of Box 39. That's us. On a recent science programme, they said, There are as many atoms in a single molecule of my DNA as there are stars in a typical galaxy. How amazing to be able to even know that. Will the mystery of my missing socks ever be solved? And that's from Neville. Neville Orange from Brightlingsea. Do you know, the, the disappearance of socks in Neville is a universal phenomenon first recorded in the Bayeux Tapestry. I think it's a, referred to as a universal truth, actually, Bill. I think you're right. Now, let's, let's find some more. Let's pluck some more universal truths from here, then. Can you tell me uh, about another universal truth? Well, you're setting me tasks because I had another think about what we should talk about next, and we chatted in the simplest of terms about the high street and its historic potential. And that got me thinking about what is done to highlight what is good and also what is unusual in Colchester. Uh, the Colm Radio Darts team, they're quite unusual. I've seen them. Well, football team. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, the football team. Uh, there's the Colm Radio tap dancing yeah, squad. But okay, okay, okay. They maybe, keep falling maybe, in the sink. Maybe not those ones. Thank you. You had to get that in, didn't you? Okay, seriously. Well, look, are you, are, you, are you back to history again, Mr. Well, Tomsai? I think I'm heading towards history, tourism and money. Ah, no, I like that. I like that. Enlighten us with your thoughts, please. What do people come to Colchester for? That's a little question for you there. Um, in order, I would say the zoo, uh, the football, shopping, uh, Colm Radio and the history. OK, well... Maybe the first three of those five will take care of themselves when it comes to promotional campaigns and advertising. The history bit, and possibly Cone Radio, need to, you know, need to be improved upon. Now, the historical aspects of the town and the way that they're presented to visitors has improved slightly. I mean, we've seen new information paving slabs. We've seen a new path laid around the Roman Wall in Priory Street where you get to see a demo, well, a pictorial of the breach um, and also Balkan Gate being lit. You, well, we, I, look, I've been, while you've been groaning on, I've just Googled. I've had a quick Google here in the studio and uh, it's, I, I've looked at historic culture, so that's what I typed in. Go on, read it to us then. Top three. Go on, give us a uh, top number three. Number one, St. Botolph's Priory. Yeah. Uh, is, is that really where you'd want to go to first? Well, is it not quite, you can get quite a nice good Go on, nearby. second. Secondly, Duncan's Gate. Go on, do you really know where that is? I do. Uh, it's near Duncan's uh, front no, door, isn't it's it? it's not. Walk down Roman Castle Road through the Roman Wall, turn left heading towards, well, between the two parks. And it is an original Roman gate serving the city about 20 metres on from there. Who's Duncan? I haven't got a clue, Mr Lawrence. That's not the important aspect. I did at least know where it was. Now, come on, what's number three? Number three is, hang on, let me scroll down. It is St John's Gatehouse. Now, I wouldn't have expected to see that. I don't... I don't believe a lot of Colchesters even know where Duncan's Gate is, to be honest. Oh, well, you didn't, and you're a historian. So, <laughs> there must be. There are some more interesting and one or two unusual places mentioned. I mean, I'm just looking over your shoulder. I noticed they mentioned the Roman Theatre uh, in the Dutch Quarter, where you can yep. peep through the window have a look. They mentioned the Roman Church, which I think is at St. Helena Road, just off it the is. High Street. Uh, 
you know, both in the Dutch Quarter, but they don't mention the Dutch Quarter. No mention of it at all. There's nothing about the Civil War uh, and the history of the area. No mention of the uh, Dutch refugees and the trade and wealth that they brought with them when they were being persecuted by the Catholics in Europe. So, you no, know, just the stuff about Duncan's Gate. Just the stuff about Duncan's Gate. I know. And the Duncan, no, I can't believe they don't mention the Civil War or the Dutch Quarter or. You know, we're fa- Colchester invented the nursery rhyme. Yeah. Well, twinkle, twinkle, and uh, the, the, the thing, the egg thing. Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty. Absolutely. The egg one. Absolutely. The egg one. But it's also quite surprising that with all the history we've got and those little bits are those little gems slightly out of the town centre, like the siege house. Which, if you walk another 100 metres further, I know you've got to cross near a busy roundabout, but there's an array of fantastic Tudor buildings, wooden, timber-framed Tudor buildings, a little nugget of history down by East Bay. No, no directed walks, nothing of that type. It's, it seems a bit sad. And also, um, those funeral mounds in uh, going out towards uh, Lexton. The humps and bumps. The humps and bumps. I mean, the Victorians recognised them as being important and planted uh, sequoia around them. Californian redwoods to you, Mr Lawrence. Californian redwoods to you too. <laughs> now, uh, what about this siege house and East Gates? Where yeah. are they? Well, where are they? Down the bottom of East Hill. Yeah. Just keep going, folks. You'll find them eventually over the river. And then we've got that whole series of Anglo-Saxon Roman defensive ditches protecting the old town. No mention of that. Have you mentioned the Hippodrome? And I don't mean the dance venue, as it used to be called. No, the Hippodrome, where I go jogging. It's, of course, uh, something completely different from a nightclub. The Hippodrome is one of the oldest recorded Roman uh, racetracks. Is that right? Yeah, and one of the... Well, the only one ever to be found in Britain. And I believe the only one that has been discovered outside Italy. Well, I think it's marvellous. But the, I mean, you've summed it all up very nicely. But uh, well, there's only one National Trust property. I know that in Colchester. I believe there? there is only one, and that's Bourne Mill. OK, well... It's a bit odd, isn't it? All this history, but nothing of national importance. I think we should uh, ask Duncan what's going on.
According to Reggaeville.com, Donny Dredd, whose real name is Juan Carlos Guardiola, transcends reggae music into a unique blend of world beat rhythms. His musical influences are diverse as a result of his Rasta and Cuban-American background. With his undeniable rebel soul, he infuses Caribbean-influenced beats and Afro-Cuban and rock sounds into every one of his songs. This combination provides the audience with contagious rhythms and powerful, soul-wrenching melodies, apparently. According to me, on the other hand, you're better off listening to the reggae played by Lee Gardner on his program Feel the Rhythms here on Cold Radio every other Thursday night at 9pm. What's the name of this uh, radio program that I've been making? I don't know. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Are you sure? Yes. Onions. Big Bag of Onions. It was the onions. Big Bag of Onions. It was the onions. Listening to Out of Box 39, the Thursday night community and magazine program here <coughs> on Cone Radio. Thank you me. have been listening to Bill Lawrence. You've been listening to him cough as well. Adrian Cohen and me, Ian Talentire. And with our very special guest this week, House Band, House Gang Exit, and all those contributors who have popped up in the wall of radio sound. Good show then, Bill? I thought the music, uh, I thought the music was rather good. It was a good show for you. Yeah, sort of warm and historic, mate. Yeah, I sometimes found it quite punctual. At times, it was almost hot-headed, wasn't it? Uh, debatable. Join us, please, every Thursday night at 8, live here on Cone Radio and on our streaming on-demand service. You can pick us up whenever you want to pick us up on mixcloud.com forward slash box 39. So, from where we are, way down deep in the vaults of Cone Radio Towers, beneath the rich soil and sturdy lands of northeast Essex, it's time for us to close box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. This has been a Strictly Guppy production for Gone Radio.
Please hear the call. 